All right, Coach. You know, we've talked to a couple of guys already, but aside from the final and the win, Game 7, you know, what, what were your takeaways from the series in general for the Bruins? Yeah, it's interesting, Beersy. There's some stuff that, besides Game 7, which is the obvious, just how much of a mismatch the games were in Boston. You know, the, the blowouts of, you know, games three, four, and six. And I remember uh, after game, you know, we, we go back home and the, and the team's down two games to none. And I remember the way how convincingly they won games games three and four, I think, was a huge, I think, a jolt of confidence for that group. And certainly just in my own mind, I thought, okay, this will it'll be a series now. I think game three was eight to one. So just the way that, you know, the, the home team won the first six games. The thing that I had forgotten about was how – I think Vancouver scored eight goals in the whole series, eight goals. And yet it went to game seven, but you know how the, how the Bruins lost game one late, lost game two early in overtime, lost game six on a Max LaPierre scored. So just how tight the games were in Vancouver, the first three and how much they were blowouts in Boston. And then obviously I've always thought there's a game seven, was a blowout. It was four nothing, but it could have been seven. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't close. But yeah, those are some of the things that just kind of come to mind of how much it was a home team series for the first six games until it got to game seven. Coach, when you think back, what started to click for the Bruins' offense as the series started to unfold? Yeah, it's a good question. I think you know their ability. The, the other thing I left out a minute ago, Judd, was early in game three. Nathan Horton got wiped out by Aaron Rome, and he's done for the series. And I, I and that was early. It was like you know the first period of that ser- of game three. But I think you know Rich Peverly jumping up to that line with Krejci and Lucic played a big part of it. I think that you know Bergeron, Marshawn, and Recchi were fantastic in that series. Their depth, I th- and I think the Bruins were able to wear them down physically. Char and Seidenberg together on defense and Boychuk and Ferentz. They, they were able, I thought, physically to wear down Vancouver. I thought they were able to intimidate him. I, I remember, I, I think it was uh, Marshawn and Daniel Sedin, the whole punching bag thing at some point in one of the games in Boston. So I think their ability to break through on Luongo, for sure. I mean, I, it's funny, guys. And, and until Luongo retired, I kept on my little game chart I do for the games. Luongo's goals against, against the Bruins in the Cup Final in 2011. And I, I just jotted it down because I still had it on my laptop. His goals against was 8.05 in the three games in Boston. You know, he gave up 15 goals. So I, they were able to break through on him for sure, especially with that 8-1 to one game in game three. And then, then they're coming. They win game four, lose game five in a tough fashion. But game six is, a, is another really no contest in Boston. You keep those game charts would you have been all right if uh, the, the airlines had <laughs> lost your game chart and you weren't able to, you know? No, I would not have. <laughs> no, I would not have. Which game uh, was that? It had to be game five, Beersy. Yeah, yeah I so, think so. Yeah, game five. I, uh, I flew out. I want to say it was maybe through Toronto. I think I was flying WestJet. And uh, they lost my laptop. They lost everything. They lost everything I had. So, Judge, you know how it is. Us, us play-by-play guys are creatures of habit. Like, you know, we have our, you know, I don't know, just how we do it. And uh, I had nothing. And then I think the morning again, because there were five o'clock starts in Vancouver. Yeah. Of course, we'd already played four games. What do you oh, need? Oh, I know that. Oh, I, well, but I had my notes. <laughs> and all my up-to-date notes. No. Uh, but anyway, I think they found my laptop, but more important, importantly, like my luggage the morning of, uh, of game five. But uh, yeah, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't good. But it all, it all worked out in the end for sure. I guess with that in mind, because you guys crisscrossed the country for a number of days, were there any other interesting travel stories? No, well, I just remember, Judd, so I flew, 
I think I flew three different ways, meaning I flew Boston to Toronto to Vancouver, Boston to Minneapolis to Vancouver, and Boston to Denver to Vancouver in no particular order. Beersy, if I remember right, you and Brick took a little different travel route. Do I Completely different. Might have been to Seattle and some golf involved. And Jet blue direct to Seattle, <laughs> rent a car, and play golf on the way up to Vancouver. <laughs> so there you go. Exactly. Not too much concern about where my stuff was. No, no, as long as you had maybe golf shoes, you know? Yeah, so. Now, the other thing, Judd, that I was thinking about was um, Game 7. And I still have it somewhere, I think, on my phone. That's a bunch of phones ago. But after the team won, you know, it was me, Beersy, Jack, and Brick in the locker room in the, in the changing room in Vancouver. The team had left. The team was, was going to fly back to Boston either way. We flew, obviously, commercial in the playoffs, uh, you know, us as broadcasters. So the team, you know, we were lucky. We're in there, and it's just chaos, you know. It's cigars and beers and champagne. It's just, it was great, you know. And, but the team left. And the four of us, there were, there were riots in Vancouver. You know, they're burning the city down, or some of it down. And I remember we, there was this little TV, and we were watching it, thinking, well, we don't want to go out there. And just as the team left, somebody rolled in this big bin of Molson Canadian beer that I swear was from the Vancouver locker room. I think it was supposed to be part of their celebration. And the four of us sat there and uh, passed the time and had a toast. And somewhere on my phone, I'm pretty sure I still have a, like a picture of the four of us, which was awesome. Well, that absolutely happened. They, they, they brought it in from Vancouver was done. They all went home. Yeah. They told us not to go anywhere. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, there were shuttles <laughs> running from the arena to the hotel, but they said, yeah, probably not safe to go right now. So we ended up staying and enjoying ourselves for a little while. That wasn't a problem. <laughs> that wasn't a problem at all. No, it was, uh, you know, and I just remember thinking that at some point there, just I felt real lucky, right? I mean, I think as broadcasters, you know, and you could speak to it, Beersy, as a player. I mean, you, you went to the final in, in, uh, in 90 there, but, you know, as, as broadcasters, I just felt I was along for the ride. and. To be able to call them winning it. And, you know, so at that point, I think it had been 11 years that I had been doing the games. But, you know, there had been guys in the NHL doing my job three times that long that had never had that opportunity. So, you know, I was just fortunate. I felt fortunate anyways that, you know, you're just good. You're lucky to, to be around the team that was as good as, as that team was and was able to break through. Right, give, give me your game seven memory. You already said it could have been seven nothing. It was four nothing, I think, was a win. Probably... For you, anyhow, like what it is like to call that. And it was probably your dream, right? Because I was gone for the last five minutes. So you were all by yourself. <laughs> Howie kicked you out of the booth. <laughs> That's right. I had to go down to ice level Howie to, to, to get ready out. to interview people. So you you called the last five minutes by uh, yourself. So that was. That's funny. <laughs> no, I remember. Um, it's funny, Beersy. I remember a lot of the day just because. As I say, it was a five o'clock start for us out west, and so no morning skates. Any interviews we had to do were already had been done the day before. I remember kind of climbing the walls of the hotel. So I went out. I got a coffee. It was a beautiful day. It was like it had to be seventy-five degrees in Vancouver, and just sitting outside, right near the Olympic uh, Cauldron, where they had it in Vancouver in twenty ten. I can almost see the spot I was sitting in, just kind of passing the day. And the game itself, I always thought that. Um, and it doesn't always bear out, but a lot of times the team that scores first in a game seven wins. I mean, the, the numbers usually tell you that. Although we went through it the year before, Beersley with the Bruins in 2010, that that wasn't the case. But I remember when Bergeron scored in the first period, you know, I thought, boy, that hopefully that's going to be enough. And then certainly by the end of the second, when they made it 3 nothing, I remember after that period thinking, well, this is it. Because there's, there's no way that Vancouver was going to come back and score three goals on Tim Thomas. The way he was playing, in that series, 
I didn't see that happening at all. So then it was just, um, you know, having the, the time tick away in the third period. I remember this, Beersy, and I don't know if you do. How are you, Mike? After the second period, uh, and I don't know, you might have been not in the booth at the time, Beersy, but how we get on the headset. We weren't in a booth. Well, yeah, an air, our area, right? It, yeah, it was an area. <laughs> we were sitting with all the off-ice officials. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we got kicked out. But you might have not been on headset at the time, but I think Howie said to me, all right, Gosh, uh, we got to talk about how we're going to handle post-game, how, they're gonna, how we're going to handle this. And I didn't want to talk about it with Howie because I said to Howie, were you alive and breathing the year before in Game 7 against Philly? He said, yes, I was. I said, okay, can we hold this off? You know, let's hold it off to the 10-minute mark of the third period. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to jinx anything. Like I had anything to do with it. But anyway, I remember having that conversation, and then probably halfway through the period, how he said, "Okay, this is." What I thought about it, Beersy, was how rudimentary it all was. Like you were just downstairs at ice level grabbing guests, and you know you're certainly a big guy, so I could see you. You'd kind of give me the wave if you had a guest, and we had no. Howie wasn't there to help us. He couldn't help us grab guests. He wasn't. He wasn't physically there. So I just remember thinking, like, that ah, will just kind of wing it, which is is what we ended up doing. It was. It was. I, when I think about that now, it's pretty funny, but it all worked out great. All right, Ghost, take us through the last maybe two minutes, just before you deliver the final call. Yeah. Well, I just I can't remember how much time was left. Marshawn scored. Might have been with, I guess, three minutes left. Empty netter with I don't know how much time left. Yeah. I mean, I think at that point I was just. Uh, I don't know. You're just waiting for the time to tick away. I, I remember thinking it couldn't tick off the clock fast enough, but I felt that way for the whole third period, that it was just the time was crawling by. Yeah, and then I think you just want to kind of say what you have to say and, and, and then shut up. I was, I was cognizant of not, um, I think, not trying to say too much. I remember, uh, I think Doc Emmerich had said once, he was talking to Dick Enberg, and he said when it comes to like big moments in games, give it some thought, but you don't want to leave it to chance, but you also don't want to, I'm not a fan of, okay, I'm going to, this is exactly the, I don't like that. So, you know, I was saying earlier, Beasley, like the morning of the seventh game, like I was sitting around and just kind of like thinking about, give it a little bit of thought because at that point, you know, you remember at that time, the Bruins were the team that hadn't won. You know, the Patriots had won their first three Super Bowls. The Red Sox had kind of like a couple of World Series that, you know, they had won and the Celtics had won in 08. So the Bruins were kind of the team that was due to break through. So I just remember watching some semblance of all those duck boat parades, you know, for the other teams and thinking, well, if they win, they'll have their own. So that was kind of the, as deep as my rudimentary thinking went. I didn't want to think about it too much because I was fearful I'd screw it up somehow. So what happened was, I'm not going to bore you with too many of the details, but that year, it was kind of a hard year for me personally. My, my best friend and my dad had passed away seven weeks apart. So it was an emotional, right in the middle of the season. So I had kind of put them out of my mind for a lot of the you know, the finals until the morning of the seventh game. And I was thinking about it. It'd be great to have them here, you know, to, to be, they both were enormous Bruins fans. So, and I kept them out of my mind until literally at the end of the game. And the first reference of the duck boats, my, my voice kind of gave out. Cause I was like, I was like, I was excited, but I, they were also in my thinking. So then one of my rare, like on the fly, think again about this. So I said it again, so that, you know, we'd have something of a better version of it for, I don't know, for however long people feel like they want to listen to it. But yeah, so that was, uh, I don't know, every once in a while I have a good thought thinking on my feet. So anyway, I figured, well, if you're still right here in the moment, say it again, what difference does it make? So that's what I ended up doing. You mentioned Timmy Thomas. So as we get to specific players, what do you remember about Timmy Thomas and, and not just the finals, but his entire run? 
Yeah, it's funny, Beers. Here's what the thing I remember too was, and certainly you would, was that when they lost to Montreal the first two games of the playoffs, and he wasn't that good in those two games. And sitting in the stands the morning of game three in Montreal with Jack Edwards. And we were like, do they go to Tuca? Do they make a goaltending change? Now, we also had about $10 million trimmed off the salary cap in 10 minutes. Shows you how the two dopes that we were. And uh, they went with Timmy in game three. And they won game three. I think game four, they won in overtime. But, like, Timmy just seemed to get better and better as the series went on. And then against Tampa, you know, game seven, unbelievable. But in the finals, he was just off the charts. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it, the old, the whole him and Luongo. And Luongo said he didn't. He doesn't say anything good about me, right, or something like that. Yeah, so. And then what I remember was a little bit of a backstory, but my first bunch of years doing the Bruins games, I was still living in Rhode Island, and I was driving back and forth. And Timmy, when he was kind of a bubble player, he was between Providence and Boston, a lot of times if we were coming back from the road, the chief, Johnny Busick, and they were sending Timmy back down, he would say to me, can you give Timmy a ride back to his apartment, like in North Attleboro or something? I'm like, sure. So we had a bunch of those. Must have had a half dozen of these rides. And it was interesting to get Timmy's take on things, to say the least. So uh, after they won it, and I saw him in the locker room, I just, you know, congratulated him. And Timmy, I'm so happy for you. And he said, hey, thanks for all those rides, which I thought was pretty awesome. Here he is at the pinnacle of his career. It literally is the top of what he's going to do. And he's just fresh off the Conn Smythe. And somewhere in his brain, he was six years before, five years before, remembering that. So that, that said a lot. But he was, uh, he was unbelievable, and especially in that series. I mean, to give up eight goals in seven games and then a shutout in game seven, was he was beyond belief. Heading into that season and or the playoffs, how much attention, as you remember, was on Claude Julien and his job behind the bench? A lot. I remember a lot. I, you know, I was talking about Jack and I – us two geniuses had the goalie changed and 10 million bucks off the cap. And I think that morning of game three in Montreal in the first round, Joe, we also had a new coach, or at least we had a different coach because, you know, I said, you have to kind of, in 08, they made the playoffs and lost, but it, to, for that team, I thought to make it was, was an accomplishment and they forced Montreal to seven games. 09, they get upset. They had the best record in the East and they get upset by Carolina in seven. And then we know what happened in 2010. So now it's 2011. And they're down the first two games to Montreal at home, and they had to go to Montreal for the next uh, the next two. So, yeah, there was. I think there was – I've always thought this, guys, and it's just my own, if they were out in the first round that year, I think they probably would have made a change then because it's it was a few years of disappointment, you know. But I think for everybody concerned, it was a good thing. Obviously, that didn't happen. But, yeah, there was a lot of – Claude used to say, Judd, kind of quietly, that he felt like he had been fired ten times before he actually got fired. So I think there was always this undercurrent of, are they going to make a change? Are they not going to make a change? And then obviously it turned out they broke through in 2011. Your memories of Tall Z. <laughs> not Wide Z, Tall Z. Tall Z, yeah, Tall Z. Tall Z, I thought, um, trying to remember Beer Z, it was after game two in Montreal where they switched up their D pairs against Montreal and they put Seidenberg with Z. And it was a, a, an enormous game changer for them as a team. His ability their ability to shut down the other, you know, for the most part, the other team's top lines, his ability to lead by example. I remember him missing game two against Montreal and Shane Knighty, my partner out here now, I think they put him in the lineup. It was one of the the few games he played in the playoffs that year. But yeah, I just think as those series wore on, and I remember Beersy used to talk about this a lot, like 
you can wear teams down physically. And I thought Chara, among others, but he was him and Seidenberg, but Chara at the top of that list was just his ability to, you know, whether it was in round two against Philly or then the third round against Tampa or the final, you know, against Vancouver, to physically be able to eliminate guys and take them out of games was uh, was pretty impressive, you know. And then, like, I'll never forget seeing, you know, he's seven feet tall on skates and seeing him lift the cup over his head in Vancouver was, uh, you know, you think of all the years and all the time he's put into it. I can't imagine what that what that feeling was like for him. As we've gone through this project, Gosh, guys have talked about the Montreal series. They've talked about the Flyers series. But what stands out about the conference final against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which also went seven? What stands out is game seven. I think of all the 24 playoff games they played that year, that was by far the best. It might have been the best game that I've like been to as a broadcaster, period. I'm trying to think back, Judd. I, it was game three or four of that series where the Bruins had a 3 nothing. I want to say they had a 3 nothing lead in the game and lost in Tampa. And it was, again, it was just, okay, they were up they were up 3 nothing against the Flyers in Game 7, lost that game. And the same thing happened in one of the games in Tampa. I remember them having a chance to win it in Game 6 in Tampa and not being able to finish it out. And then Game 5, I remember the save that Tim Thomas made on Steve Downey with the paddle of his stick. The puck came off the end boards, and Timmy dove across with his paddle to make a, an unbelievable save on Downey. And then, you know, they Tampa Bay could be, a, I think, a frustrating team and a suffocating team to play against. And... You know, I remember beers you kind of talking about throughout the series that the Bruins had a tough time getting through the neutral zone. And sure enough, in game seven, they were able to do that. And, and Krejci set up, uh, I think it was Ferentz went back to get the puck, hit Krejci, and Krejci set up Horton. And I remember nobody sat down for the final, whatever that was, 13 minutes of game seven in the garden. And I remember after they won it thinking this is, you know, they hadn't been back to the finals since since uh, 1990. And now here they had a chance to to win it. But when I think about that series overall, game seven is the first thing that, that comes to mind. There's some uh, thoughts on Bergie, what people talk about when they think about Bergeron. Yeah, I mean, I think Beersy, he, uh, it's interesting. Like we were, both of us were there when he came into the league as an 18 year old and to see how much he's grown over the last, uh, what's that, 17, 16, 17 years is, is amazing to be one of the best all around players in the game. I've always thought with, with the Bruins, and even now, even though I only see him twice a year. The fact that it flows through their, their two best players in Char and Bergeron and how hard they work and the example they set. If they're going to work that hard and play the way they do, then I would imagine how could you not follow suit? So I think his ability to emerge as a leader of this team, it always gets lost in the shuffle at times. You know, we were doing the game in 2007 when he got stretched off the ice against Philadelphia and missed the whole rest of the season. Able to come back from that, able to come back from a couple of subsequent concussions, including one in 2011 against the Flyers in the playoffs. So I just think how conscientious he is in all areas of the ice, you know, him and Brad Marchand have made, you know, this terrific tandem here, but you know, back in the cup year, it was, it was Bergie and Marchand and Mark Recchi, you know, and their ability to, to click as a line. So, yeah, I just think, you know, if you're going to list uh, some of the best all around players in the game, but more importantly, what he means to that team, you know, is, is really second to none. Coach, my last thing for you, I guess with that in mind, a few years prior to that, the Bruins acquire Mark Recchi from the Tampa Bay Lightning. What sort of an imprint do you think he had on that group in 2011? Significant, Judd. I think that uh, one of the things that he talked about, and we still kind of laugh about it every once in a while out here, is he, you know, because he had won cups before he got to Boston, obviously. 
And he used to say, in order to win in the playoffs, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And, you know, I think he really imparted that on that team. You know, in in 09, I remember, you know, he had a kidney stone removed before game seven against Carolina the night before, played, they lost. And then we know what happened in 2010. But I just think another guy whose voice is so respected, and not a lot of guys leave winning a Stanley Cup. You know, there's, there's certainly, there's a few. Raymond Bork certainly at the top of mind, but you know Mark Recchi did as well. And it's funny, you know, they they replayed Game Seven. I think NBCSN did recently, and like he looked like he drank out of the fountain of youth. Like he was, he had wheels, he was flying. Like I was just happy for him because I, he, you know, he treated me great, a true pro. You know, to be able to go out that way. I remember again, you know, being, you know, we were all in that locker room after the seventh game, and yeah, I think we all knew he was done. He had mentioned he was done, but then he said, "I'm really done." Well, what way to you know, what better way to go out than, than winning a Stanley Cup? 